welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan, and welcome back. Uh, it's We just keep having wonderful conversations learning more about comedy in today's episode, we're really going to take a slightly different angle and talk about some different things. So I'm excited about getting into this episode, but we got to take care of a few things before we get there. Me as well. Uh, let's quickly talk about two things we've done in our past. We had an awesome open mic online, such a great group of comics, such great feedback, some stuff I took on stage with me. So we do run those on Tuesdays. If you are interested, please email us at breakingdownbits at gmail.com and we will find a way to get you up. Yeah, we've had a blast with that. And it's not just brand new. It's people from all skill levels. We've got people who've been doing it for nine years, people who are, it's their first time ever to try. It's a very safe and encouraging place to get feedback and get better. Uh, maybe if your city is not open for a lot of open mics right now, great option. We'd love to have you in there. Breaking down bits at gmail.com. People from all over the world. And I love to say that, you know, if you do a workshop in your own hometown, there's that inherent competitiveness. You might not get the purest of feedback with the purest of intentions. This is the best place to get real feedback, real tags, real ideas. And then I personally, since we are open in Texas, at least for a little bit longer, uh, I like to use this as a, a way to ease into an open mic. So take some really rough material, refine it just slightly and get it stage ready. Breaking down bits at gmail.com. Get involved Tuesday nights and uh, we'll continue to do this. Yeah. So let's talk callbacks with the episode with Jay Jordan, which was maybe one of my favorite episodes. What a great conversation. Like, it's, it's, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that, maybe just like get over there and listen to that one too. I think my favorite callback, I'm going to say two things. One, just a, a confirmation, writing in the shower, talking to yourself. Uh, I love it, just works. Like if you're not verbalizing this stuff to yourself, I think you're missing out. And secondly, I loved how he talked about this is something I had in common with him being very intentional about the set list and what you put first, second, third, because, you know, he, he dropped his opener because it revealed too much about himself too fast. Um, and so he was very thoughtful about, okay, I'm not going to reveal all this stuff about me because it then it kills the opportunity to reveal these things separately as the show progresses. So just being thoughtful in your set list and, and being intentional about uh, getting the most, I guess, punches out of it rather than just one big reveal at the top that just kind of lets all the air out of the bag. Absolutely. And I agree with you. This is one of my top three for sure of the episodes we've done so far. A lot of passion with in Jay's approach to comedy and uh, certainly took with me something similar. Uh, last night I was putting together a set list and a lot of my punchlines are based on reveals right about me as, as, as it is a lot of times in comedy. And so trying to plan those in the way that they're going to uh, allow them to get the biggest pop is critical when developing a set list. Yeah. But one of my takeaways is uh, kind of uh, taboo. So uh, a lot of comics, especially more experienced comics, tend to steer away from comedy competitions. If you remember, he talked about that being one of his early breaks was winning a comedy competition. And I thought the conversation with Dre, uh, with, 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 him, with Jay was so good because he brought out some of the best in us. And I'm going to take something I said. Is that narcissistic? You're going to uh, call back yourself? Ha, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, but, but, you know, the idea that I'm going to 
show up to a competition and I'm either going to win it or I'm going to have everybody say he should have won it because a lot of, a lot of experienced comics are like, well, that's, it's all subjective. There's judges that, you know, who knows people bring people, all that stuff. Sure. But if you're supposed to win it and you show up with that attitude, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to excel and grow. So. Yeah. Great episode. Check that out. Um, and and a, all our episodes in the past available, all the podcasty platforms, the easiest place to find all of them, breakingdownbits.com. Breakingdownbits.com. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Christina Catherine Martinez is a writer, actor, award-winning art critic, and comedian living in Los Angeles. She's been named both a comedian you should know by Vulture and a comic to watch by Time Out LA in 2020. The Comedy Bureau has described her live act as a great bridge between many different disciplines, including performance art, stand-up, and clowning. She writes for Art Forum, Art Agenda, and sometimes for TV, including Season 5 of The Eric Andre Show. She devised and acted in the short-form series Two Pink Doors for FX's late-night comedy programming, and she is the creator and host of the live comedy talk show Aesthetical Relations. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Damn, that was a sweet intro. Ha. Well, you wrote it on your bio, so that's awesome. And <laughs> uh, we're really excited to have you on the show today because you represent something a little different than what we typically um, get a chance to talk about because you do cross so many boundaries in your comedy and you know, we've had so many comics on here talk about how they wish they did more YouTube and wish they did more social media and kind of spread themselves a little wider in the sense of, you know, their art. And you're doing that and you're doing it to with great success and even wider than and in an interesting way that maybe a lot of stand up comics would think about. So I think this is great for traditional stand-up comics to hear and also just to dive in to your process because Thank you're, you. you're doing something right because it's wonderful. Oh man. Thanks. Thanks. I was just, you know, it's funny. It's always, it's always different from the outside. And it was just like last night I went, I went on a run at like 11 PM. Cause I was like feeling that like, well, I'm an idiot and I'm never going to be funny again for the rest of my life. And I was, you know what I mean? Do you ever do this? I, I do this. It's, it's, a, it's the worst thing when, especially as you get going, you start building stuff that you're proud of worse than comparing yourselves to other people. You compare yourself to like something you did like two years ago. Mm. And like, instead of getting psyched on it, like, wow, I did that. It was just like, God, how did I do that? Like, I'm never going to do anything that good again. <laughs> well, I've never done anything that good in the past. So it's all, <laughs> it's all looking up from here. Right. <laughs> That's a great way of looking at it. I mean, hell yeah. There's a lot of cringing in, in comedy reflectively, but if you look at it from the right lens, it's growth. So it's positive, right? If, you, if you're it's, looking at something. It's all growth. A big part of my general um, comedy philosophy is influenced by the discipline of clown, uh, which is has a lot to do not just with the acceptance of failure, but the embrace of failure and finding joy and failure. And it's been very helpful, but you know, no matter what, you can find a way to be mad at yourself. Cause it's like, 
God, you can, I, sometimes, you know, I'm like, I failed to find the joy in my failure. I fucking suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I never, I never thought about it. When I, when I read that on your bio, I was curious how serious that was. Speaking of clown uh, and clowning and stuff like that. Cause I never, I never hear anyone talk about that very much. And I'm just kind of curious. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, well, you guys are, where are you guys based? Houston. Houston. Okay. In, um, in Paris, <laughs> there's a there's just there's a couple actually. There's like a classical sort of theater clown school led by Philippe Goyer, and in LA, um, I don't know how much of a reputation it got, but the, one of the big um, indie venues was a theater called the Lyric Hyperion, mm-hmm. and it was run by a, a comedian clown named Phil Burgers who trained in Paris with this famous old French clown. I know what this sounds like. (laughs) But what was exciting is that at the time when he took over the theater, um, when he was just getting his foothold in LA, he started teaching clown classes in this style, not like circus, Hong Kong, big shoes clown, like this very uh, weird existential, radically stripped down idea of being completely vulnerable, completely honest, um, and having zero artifice on stage. That's like the bedrock of that kind of philosophy. And so he started teaching these classes in L.A. So a lot of different actors and stand-ups and comics in L.A. sort of kind of went through this program and this training. Um, and I think it really influenced like a, like a weird, small generation of up-and-coming comics in like the indie scene in L.A. And I'm one of them for sure. Um, and it really it was good for me as at the time I was just doing stand-up. And the thing about clown for him was bringing out the part of you that you don't actually let do, right? As a comic, you have your thing that you know you're good at. You're like, I'm good at self-deprecating observations or like I'm do funny act outs. And this was a way to discover something new about yourself by making you go to like new uncomfortable places. So for me, because I'm so smart and brilliant and I became, I was a, critic before I became a a comedian he was like you uh you like talking a lot and you get a lot of your confidence from being like a little smarty pie who talks and says smart things he's like so you can't talk in my class oh so so I a lot so then I ended up having to like basically try to figure out how to do like physical comedy for like the first time in my life and uh it sucked and it was horrible and there were literally times where like people would like it, it was like a meisner like old school like acting class where they break you down to build you up like people would have like breakdowns and like cry on stage and stuff wow but it was really more about um but it was cool it was cool once you see people make that breakthrough and you see it with stand-ups too like you know it, someone if you see a comic who's like bombing it's like it's always better if they're just like at least having a good time while they're doing it. Then when you see them get angry, it just makes the whole audience get weirder. And a uh, big, big thing that I took from clown is just like, you have, you have fun, like real fun, like every moment. And that like every opportunity when shit goes wrong, is an opportunity to like find something new and like have fun. But then that's a balance between like, also, I'm a comedian and I write out material and I know what I'm doing. That sounds so interesting. Is there any 
if you were going to suggest any resources for like digging in that, are there other books? Are there websites that you can go to, to or YouTube? Let me see what's up. Uh, it, it's so it's such a it's so sad because uh, I would Google Philippe Gaulier. Okay. I can put I can um, put his name in the chat or something like that because okay. he is a uh, yeah French master clown pedagogue and professor of theater and the sort of um the sort of like clown philosophy that came to LA through a lot of people that like ended up studying through him uh, started at his school. I think if you just, yeah, if you just, and you know, it's a whole other weird comedy tradition that's actually much bigger in Europe. There's a whole like clown, much bigger like clown world and clown community and um, venues in order to create like clown comedy as opposed to just stand up. So three, three things kind of come to mind, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think I heard that name at the Texas Renaissance Festival, huge Renaissance Festival you have here. And some of the performers uh, 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 execute under, under, under his philosophies or, or at least. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah, that's probably it, because uh, I, I'm sure like people from all over the world go to his school. That's something I wanted to to do, you know, before lockdown happened. Mm. I'm sure like anywhere there's like cool, there's like sort of strange regional performance happening. Probably someone has gone there or referenced it or knows someone who has. Yeah. That's the right way to put it. A strange regional performance for our, that, that's exactly what that Renaissance, but it's great festival. festival yeah. Yeah. The, the next thing that comes to mind, we have a local comic. I love doing this. Uh, Drew Holloway, who's also <laughs> trained in clowning. He's probably the only one that's actually referenced it on stage that I can think of in our local scene in Houston. And he mm. does bring something so unique and so different to the stage. Uh, although he looks like, I think internally he's enjoying it. He sells it as he's having a terrible time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, even, that's funny. Cause like, that's the secret too. Like if you're actually, uh, yeah, that's funny. He sells it as he's not enjoying it, but like clear that he is having a good time. He, he is knowing him. And then, um, yeah, I think that the last thing you said that was really, really cool is if you're a comic that's at a certain level and you feel kind of stuck, you could find a way to take away your best strength, like you were talking about, take away your smarty pants mouth and, and just go silent. So wh whatever that is for you, if it's act outs, you need to stand completely still behind the mic stand and, and see what comes out of that, what other skills you can get and what you learn from that experience to get you to the next level. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I it's it's hard to say now. Everyone feels so rusty. Like I don't <laughs> it, in terms of what, what our, but it helped me um, be, because I you know especially when I'm a little bit excited, like I talk fast and I my stand up is very has a lot of energy and there's not a lot of spaces between my words and I'm going to throw in some big words because they're silly, and what doing that just bringing a lot of that into my setup helped me take my time on stage in a way that like, I've always thought it was so fucking cool when I see comics do that. And I felt like, Oh, that's just not me. That's not the energy I have. And, um, you know, there was a point where I was like, you know, at the height of my powers doing a shit ton of shows and these like classes that were helping me break out of my habits. I just felt that like, Ooh, you feel that, that confidence you have to like take your time on stage and breathe. I'm just like, I'm going to walk five paces over here and take a drink of water. And everyone's just going to sit there and wait for it. You know, <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. You know? I mean, 
clearly with what we've seen and what I've kind of dug through and seen of your performances uh, online, you have you have varying interests and and different very different places oh, that you like to um, to work in. Where where did you get started? Talk to us about um, how you, how you got your start in comedy and mm -hmm. the performance that you do, and and kind of maybe where all these influences came from. Actually, they came from the art world and my interest in fine art because I was an art critic for ten years almost before I started doing comedy. Wow! No, but I think no, ten years total, so maybe like five or six years. But I, um, which is a true like a whole other side of me and a true like love of my life. Um, but you know, it's one side of me. And I, as I was making my way further in the art world, I, I got a job at this gallery. I was the director of this international gallery. I was flying all over the world, going to art fairs, doing cool stuff. But um, I just had, I just wanted to be an actor and a comedian, like since I was a kid. And I think, and then because I got myself to a place sort of professionally and financially that felt safe, I was like, I'm going to start doing open mics because it's just something I've always wanted to do. And I've got like nothing to lose. I actually had a lot to lose. <laughs> um, so I, I had no real, you know, I'd always been a fan of comedy, like my favorite comics like my family and I would watch like Louis Anderson and Brian Regan and Eddie Izzard together growing up. Those are the big three who are all really smart and verbal in their own way. Um, but, you know, at that time, I wasn't really a comedy nerd or wasn't really into stuff. I had no idea where to start. I, I took some I took improv classes because I'm like, OK, well, this is something. And it was I ended up getting kicked off of the team. And they were like, well, you know, this just fits not right. So we're going to put you on trial and uh, then maybe you could come back in six months. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to go try to do some comedy that people actually watch. And <laughs> burn! Uh, and then I, I just... I literally, I just Googled it. I Googled Los Angeles open mics and that's how I started. And unfortunately, I mean, it was for the best. I... I lost my shit. I loved it. And I did open mics probably literally every single night for at least a year or a year and a half. Yeah. And people always ask like, how did you do it? And I'm like, you do it. Like, I know I'm like fun and weird and I've got dumb tricks, but I worked so hard so much. So because I also had this full-time job with a lot of like social and travel responsibilities. I got fired. They <laughs> Oh no. No, it was it was really it was really for the best cuz like the, the the owners of the gallery and we're still on good terms. They're from Romania and they sat me down after like a year or so of this. They sat me down and were like, "Look, we're going to let you go because it's clear you don't want to be gallery director. You <laughs> want to be comedian for, for some reason so <laughs> you 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 go you should go do that and um that was kind of the best thing that happened i you know i lost my job i got was like unemployed and then so then i was then i was on unemployment which meant i had even more free time so that bought me <laughs> that bought me another like six months of just like doing open mics every night yeah. you know yeah that is awesome Thank I you. Think, 
I think that that same story has yielded us a lot of newer comics, at least in our scene. A lot of people on unemployment, a lot of time on their hands. And well, but they should stop. I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Thank they, you. It's also it's also started a lot of new podcasts. I'm sure, like breaking down bits. That's the, that's the one thing I haven't done. I, as you've noticed, I do a lot of different things. I don't have a podcast. It honestly just seems like too much commitment. I don't know. I mean, you're, what you're doing looks pretty busy. <laughs> I, I guess, but it's never on a it's never on a schedule, right? Like I, yeah. if I have the, what's nice about I don't know what the scene is like in in Houston exactly, but what's nice about being in LA, so many people um, wanting to be filmmakers and just wanting to make things to get their skills and their voices out there. Yeah, you know, I've never needed. I've never made. I've never ma- I haven't made money on like all of this stuff that I've done, but I've never needed it because there's so many people who are just willing to collaborate. And I've been really lucky to find, you know, I also, one thing it is, I just said yes to everything. People are always making web series, are always making, you know, proof of concepts, are always making pilots. You have no idea how many, how much footage there is of me. Like, <laughs> pontificating and like failed web series, like rotting on some guy's hard drive in like the corner of a studio apartment. <laughs> but it yields a lot of this stuff. It like in exchange, you know, I was like, I would do this. Will you edit this for me? Like, Hey, do you want to do this? And sometimes people are just excited to do stuff if they think it's a good idea. And I've been, um, we'll talk about this thing. Like all the dudes who are, who are in this video, we're going to talk about, they're just like, that's fucked up. Yeah. I'm in, you know, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, that's the thing that I think one of the reasons I was super excited about having you on the podcast because I do video, I do photo, I really, I'm really enjoying kind of digging into that side of things. I started a YouTube series recently, mm-hmm. and I find so much fun, um, you know, doing that. It's almost just as much fun as you know, stand up. I would put them pretty equal to me. That those feelings on stage versus the feeling of releasing a new video and watching people react to it and getting all the text messages and feedback. And yes, it just feels it's like I'm connected. I've like I'm terrible at interpersonal relationships, but in these things, I can connect with people and they can, yeah, in my brain for a moment, you know. It's a one way street because you're controlling, you know, the but you should you should embrace failure. I think that would be good for you. Yeah, well, I definitely embrace a lot of failure. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're not. It's happening. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it has been interesting to see. Uh, I find it interesting that I want to. I'm interested to see what the comic, what stand up will look like when all of the people who started stand up in lockdown, like on these Zoom mics and stuff like that. I can't wait to see them little fuckers eat shit in front of a real audience. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, you, oh, oh, you, oh, you mastered the art of like doing a weird act out in front of your camera. Like I can't, <laughs> I'm being such an asshole right now, but like that smack I'm kind of, I, I am ge- not totally um, in a schadenfreude type way, but I am generally curious. I mean, I'm curious for me, you know, I figured out a lot of little zoom tricks that like work well for uh, live stream shows. And then I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know what it's going to be like in front of people again. 
It's a fair, it's a fair thing. Uh, I was talking about this with another comic last night. Uh, we've almost, you know, we've got to protect the local comedy image. Cause if somebody goes out to an open mic and it's not presented that it's an open mic and I'm like, make sure you say this, like there's going to be new people. There's going to be pros. Cause if you don't preface it with that and somebody goes up and, and, and several people go up, eat shit, not funny. Uh, maybe even uh, insult some of the audience, you know, whatever it is that comes out of the open mics and they don't know that's the context. Now they're burned on local comedy forever and they're not going to come to our shows. And yeah, I see that's tricky. Also, I like the way you preface. I was like, Ooh, your, your mic sounds nice. I'll go there. Uh, uh, but I, I I understand that because I mean open mics like the open secret of comedies that open mics are terrible they're like really bad necessary things to get going and now that they're all online I mean this is a problem with uh, Zoom shows in general there's like you're just busting yourself open to a much wider audience and it's like taking this you know this this ugly awful necessary like part of our practice which is like open mic comedy uh, and you're putting it up and you and and we're having to do it in a way that like frankly is very like vulnerable to like outsiders and people who just don't get how it works and 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 people who might just say yeah it might just give turn people off or give like a weird not necessarily great picture of like what you're seeing or what your comedy is like that's the safety of open mics like you know especially in la there'd be like tons of like great big comics dropping in on mics around town and, you know, bombing and like trying to work their stuff out and being really awkward. And, um, it's, that's, it's nice to be able to do that in private and not here. <laughs> yeah, people who are already drunk and they won't remember. Yeah. 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 On zoom. It's like, I, how do you get like, I don't know. Most of the mics I'm on are, are just all comics, you know, you know, just a feedback mic sort of kind of thing. I don't know mm -hmm. how you get, I don't know how you I don't know how you ask for feedback. I I haven't done any live stream mics. Yeah. And I've never done and they they you know they're here they're everywhere a lot. I've never done those mics where you get feedback afterward. I would shoot I would shoot my I'd shoot myself in the face. I'd get a rifle and I'd turn it this way and put my foot down here so I could reach the trigger and then put my mouth on it. <laughs> It's that's so much. Cool. It's actually so. I. <laughs> that's a great actor. Uh, <laughs> you feel there. We went to all the steps. It, I. Uh, I love. I thought it, about it. <laughs> it's uh, you actually gain access to some r way better writers than me. People are way better at comedy, and I get some tags that I would at least now in my comedy career wouldn't even have thought of. Uh, and they're all so positive. At least the ones that we get involved. Okay. We, we just want our own mic, and it's our our way of getting our fans involved. People are just giving away tags at these things. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, and so okay. it's really constructive. I try it. I don't know. It's I would. I, I, no, no, I think now maybe I'm at least confident enough to where like I could do that because like anything, it's hard to receive feedback and you want to like be like, yeah, trust yourself enough that if someone even gives you maybe something constructive that's negative, you can be like, uh, I hear what you're saying, but that doesn't feel right. Yep. Right. And it's a hard thing. Someone who gets your voice. You can't take tags and feedback from people who just don't understand your point of view and your your mm -hmm. voice. Right. So you'd have to find, you know, hopefully there's somebody in the room who gets what you're trying to do. Cause I mean, there's always a few newbies in the room who are like, you should just say more cuss words in there. And like, Thanks. 
Show us your show us your tits. <laughs> Talk about your period more. Yeah, that's that. I didn't mean to be prejudiced. Is I don't know how you people talk over there. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I do mean you people. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about periods. There's this magical woman time. <laughs> uh, Lord, the Lord does that stuff. We don't deal with it. Every time my lady's on her moon sickness, we just lock her in. The, we just lock her in the garage. <laughs> time, time, her lady pains get bad enough. I just leave a rifle in there in case she wants to turn it upside down, put her foot on the trigger. You know what I'm saying? Put her mouth on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, moon sickness. Uh, <laughs> So that I I did not make it up, but I think it's from like a Tumblr meme from like a million years ago. So I have to say that. (laughs) Although I feel like it's a pretty common term. I'm I do I I did see it on Tumblr like five years ago. Well, it's fair, fair use. Thank you, thank Uh, you. We probably, (laughs) Brian. I don't know. We should start turning the corner a little bit. And what we always try to hit before we get into the clip, we'll do that in a second. Is just ask you a big, wide, just open-ended question. How does Christina Catherine Martinez write comedy? I would say, and I've been thinking about this actually because um, fantasy and like daydreaming is such a big part of my writing process. Um, And before Instagram and all that, I actually just used to kind of write on Snapchat uh, and because I only had like 15 followers and because they disappear, I would just like talk to my camera and then like save the video. And I still do a lot of that. I don't know if you look at my Instagram, but I do so many bits that I work out via my Instagram stories. So, and because I was, and because I am, I came, I was a journalist and a critic and I do have such a discipline in terms of like, this writing for me, stand up was a break from that kind of writing. So I, it's um, it's only in the past couple of years when I've actually just built up enough material to where I'm forgetting it that I've started to write it down. It's all been um, verbal. Like I write on stage and I talk to myself a lot. I go on long walks, I go on runs, and I just talk to myself. And if it's something hits, if I feel like I'm actually landing on a turn of phrase or a rhythm that I think is good, then I might just do a voice memo in my phone or um, like, yeah, put it on Instagram stories just so there's like a record of it. And then it's almost like, I guess it's not much different than an online Zoom uh, mic with feedback because sometimes I just put jokes on my Instagram stories and people will be like, ha ha ha, or they won't say anything. And then if they don't say anything, that's when I go get my rifle. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. Guns in California, though. Do you? <laughs> they're just like, they're just like cute little. They're like, they're like, you know, they're just like, oh, I have. Yeah, they're just like, oh, this is just like my gun. Um, <laughs> Keep it in your purse with your dog. Yeah, it doesn't go bang. It goes, ah. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a tri- it's triggering it's not yeah my gun is triggered right now <laughs> there, there's guns there's there's guns because there's cops and they have them all <laughs> um so i mean in, in, in the technical sense like that's that's my process is a lot of 
talking. And it's just this year when I was trying to um, put together like a long, like a half hour, hour long set that I actually transcribed a lot of my tapes and like was looking at it. But I, I, I you know, the, the power of stand up, you know, is like a lot of people can write good jokes, I think. And what's so exciting about stand up that makes it a special form of writing that's not writing on paper is that you have so many other tools at your disposal to get your voice, to get your point across, which is like your tone of voice and your rhythm and your actions. And um, so I have a really hard time writing something out on paper that I think is going to work on stage. Cause it just does, it's a complete physically, it's a completely different feeling. Mm -hmm. So talking is a big part of it. And I, um, and because of like my, the things that I think about because of being in the art world and being a critic, which is like, Oh, you know, what is the meaning behind this? Like, what is my aesthetic experience? Like, what does this say about like the troubles of living under late capitalism? And like, is it true, you know, that Dorita said there's no identity, there's only difference. And that's interesting, but maybe not fun. And I try to think about like, so much of what I worry about when the world is still influenced by these maybe like remote, like, academic seeming questions, but they're not, they're existential questions that I think every good comic thinks about. So I tend to think about, just be honest. And, and I've done a lot, I mean, a lot of my processes, like I go to a mic and I'm like, hey, hey, y'all ever get tired of uh, living under late capitalism? And then it's not really funny. I'm like, okay, I'm making an interesting point here, but it's not funny. So like, what is gonna make it funny? And it's usually something like, or sometimes it's not like that's the, and that's the rhythm that I that I tend to enjoy. Uh, and there's something I learned from clown, which is not needing to be smart all the time, which is a big thing for me. So I love I'm like, oh, well, I, I have these ideas and these sort of thoughts. I like what I'm saying. This is interesting. And I'm sharing a part of myself, but like it's not quite fun. So like maybe I can just um I don't know, like make a fart noise here or like add like a, like a really, like a, what's like a really stupid thing I can do after trying to make this like larger point. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, I mean, I'm describing what it is at its best. Like when I really hit it, then it's definitely not always that, but I think that's what I, you know, that's the process of when I've, get to something that I really enjoy, which is like smart things and really stupid things like right next to each other. What's really interesting about the, you know, you, you have these literary references, these art references that we've all almost ex everybody has had exposure to at some point, maybe it was in their childhood and education. So you, we, we, it's all like sort of relatable, even if you're not entrenched in it, like even like a meat stick like me can still kind of be like, Oh yeah, the Dutch tulip shortage. Right. And then, <laughs> and, and then, and then you'll, you'll be able to throw in a fart noise or something. I'm like, Oh, that's fun. You know what I mean? So you're able to connect with, with everybody in the room in, in that sense uh, without while being a clown, which is, you know, that that's, that's a really unique style and does allow you to capture the whole room. Thank you. I hope so. I think about, I also, I was homeschooled for like half of my K through 12 schooling. 
And so I also have, I get really scared of making cultural references because I'm just not sure what's a shared reference or not, you know, as, even among people my age or not like, um, and some comics are really intuitive with that. They're like, oh, this TV show or this weird thing or this thing from the eighties. And it just hits on this reference that like people light up because they recognize it. And I'm like scared to do that. So I always, um, try to go deeper, not necessarily out of altruism or because I'm super smart because I, 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 I honestly, I have a, I have a hang up about like, well, if my references are too specific, then like, I'm, I'm, I don't know who's gonna know what I'm talking about. So right. even in things like, uh, like in sort of translating, not translating like into English, but in thinking about all of the strange, like, art theory and continental theory that I've read throughout my, my art career, just trying to think like, well, what is, what is actually happening? Like, I, I know this is like weird, dense language describing like strange concepts, but it's actually like, it's still describing a lived experience that people have. And like all the, all the, all the like media shit that like people were theorizing about in the seventies about like, Oh, this is what television is going to do to our brains or like the society of the spectacle. And that like all of our social relations are now going to be mediated by images. And people are like, what? <laughs> but it's, we live in an age where like those concepts are just such patent realities. We are literally having a social relation that is mediated by an image right now that uh, I think it's actually a really good time to ask us. It's actually a really good time to make jokes about theory. And I'm like, if I don't use the buzzwords, there's a way to like talk about the concepts. I, I have a rule for myself, actually. I try because so much of my comedy is about feminism and capitalism. I try to never say the words feminism or capitalism in my act. I think that also just like immediately turns certain people off. They're going to just like shut you out. Sure. Yeah. And it's better to say like, man, money's just a thing. We all agree has value <laughs> yeah. than, than to be like, so anyway, I was thinking about the hegemon hegemonic impulse of late capitalism. You're like, well, you're like explaining the Sesame Street version of capitalism because you just yeah. avoid the words and just be like, let's just go get to the. It just, it's just, and I don't know what this. And here in LA, there's a lot of smart people who are talking about this stuff. So I just, and I, I just, I see it, and I see a lot of comics who are like making really good jokes, but I also see in certain rooms if you just say the words feminism or capitalism then someone's like yeah. well it's it's satire right it's it's the true it's the undertones and the and the it subtext is. of what you're saying that that's important so uh yeah and that's that's the, I, I try to i try to do the same thing without you know try to try to dance around the word um and then you're inferring something and that's the connection you form with the audience which, mm -hmm. is, where the, which is where the humor lives abortion is the word i try to not say on <laughs> we had a little um a boo boo. <laughs> yeah. We, we had, a, had a baby. We had a baby boo boo. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, that's fun though. I think that's interesting because I think, um, you know, in your specific reference, you're a very smart person. You have all this knowledge about art and and how to talk about it. And it's, and there's two options. Maybe you can turn it off. And try to avoid it or like i think what you're doing is a little more interesting is you're pushing through it 
to find the deeper meaning in it. And I think that's a, that's a really interesting thought to go. I don't have to turn my brain off and turn off the, the thinky things to have, to have a fun time. I can push through them and find what connects us all even more deeply because at the root of the smart things are just really deep connections. Probably. Yeah. Essential. Thank you. And, and all good comics do this. Like if you make like a, uh, a vague, not vague, but like a broad enough statement that just gets to something like existential as opposed to like observational. It's like, that's, that's to me, that's like super powerful um, comedy. And, uh, and it helps me actually even internalize these concepts because even in the art world, like in academia, which I'm not, I'm not an academic, but you know, we, they have their own, we have our own shorthand and bywords. And after a while, sometimes, and I can feel it for myself, like the references are just becoming their own thing. And so pushing through that helps me, frankly, realize, am I actually understanding this? Or am I like repeating the phrases and the buzzwords that I, do I just sort of like know the right things to reference to make my way in this world and actually trying to translate that into comedy forces me to think about like, oh, like if I can't put this into simpler terms, then maybe I actually don't understand what it is in the first mm -hmm. place. Yeah. Like they said, you know, the best way to like learn something is to teach it. Right. Right. It's a, it's um, so especially, yeah, I, I like, I like that you put it that way and it does. And sometimes, yeah, I, sometimes I think about things and I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just like repeating these buzzwords. And it's like, maybe there's a joke in there about like not knowing what you're talking about and just repeating buzzwords, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we talked a little about your writing process. Can we talk just for a little bit about, let's say you have an upcoming show or a set. How do you prepare for, for a set and maybe in the, in the weeks and days and also what happens those last moments before you step on stage? Um, first I'll say yes to the show and then I'll, and then I will completely forget. <laughs> <laughs> and then um a few days before usually the actually it's always the day of because for me i want uh the spontaneity and like the energy of being excited about what i'm doing is such a big part of it yeah that like i would unless it was a really big important show or like a showcase i would never plan my whole set like a day in advance because I'm like, I've done that. I've done a thing where I tried to stick to my material that I think is good or that I think is going to kill. And then the next day I'm just like, I'm not in love with it. And then I force myself to do it anyway. So usually it's like a couple hours before I go on a walk or a run and just kind of like talk to myself and think about it. I'm definitely that asshole who doesn't always watch other comics because I'm like figuring out my own set. Um, and uh, a big part of it for me is like, I, I dress a little bit, like a little bit different than I normally do on stage. It's just like a slightly exaggerated version of myself. I like to wear like fun dresses. And um, I check with this, like, I, I don't get the, like, I don't do the casual, like hoodie jeans thing. I like to dress up on stage. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to front. I want you guys to like me. So I try to look nice. Um, <laughs> And 
I'm usually right before, like while the show is happening and I figure out where I'm going. First of all, I ask when I'm going up. And if possible, I ask to go third because it's like the best time to go. Sure. Unless I'm headlining, which is often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I never write out my set completely, uh, as I mentioned. But, I, I, you know, I sketch out the bullet points on like a piece of paper. And actually have a bunch of um, like... I have this part. I don't really have a com like a joke notebook, which maybe I should have. I have a, a a Google Doc where I've started like trying to write out material in like a longer way. But I have this box. It's an Hermes box that my ex boyfriend's dad left here. Long story, and um, it has just all these scraps of paper. These are all like different sets that I've done, and I should figure out how to like get them on paper, but sometimes just like jogging, just like looking through these and like having it jog my brain is really helpful. So right before I go on stage, I do a little outline of like the set. And then I always save that piece of paper and I put it in this box, <laughs> ostensibly to be studied, but honestly never to be looked at again. <laughs> and um, a big part of the, the process for me is like, yeah, going on my walk, figuring out what I'm going to do and then getting getting ready, like putting on just like putting on makeup and getting dressed like there's a little like and getting a little bit into like my character, I suppose, which is which is me just a little bit heightened. Like I wear a little more makeup than I normally would. And like I wear a little bit frillier thing. And um, or a man's mustache commonly, it seems. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and or a costume, like, because yeah, sometimes I do just like character bits. Um, and then obviously there's the big thing, which I, if I'm in a good spot, like I I, I arrive at the show and I kind of know what I'm gonna do. Then it's always really fun to um watch the show and then you like and be listening to what other comics are saying. You'd be like, oh, I could, oh, like, oh, I could talk about that. Like, oh, that's I could riff off of that. Or it's really awesome when like a comic makes like a, a vague reference to a thing that you have like a whole bit about. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I'm going to be like that. And then it's going to make it look like I'm a genius. Cause I'm riffing when really just like, I actually already have a joke about that. And they just happen to refer to it. Yeah. So I, I, when I'm, when I'm, once I got good or better than bad, <laughs> I, I always like to leave like, I may have like a strong opening that I think of, but then like the, the first two or three minutes up top, I, I leave to just like riffing or talking about what's going on in the room or like maybe piggybacking off of a thing that someone said. That's always uh, really fun. And there's a, there's a ratio. I mean, sometimes I just really plan it out because it needs to be good, but this just ratio of like, usually like 70, 30, like 70% just set material and then like 30% new material I found is like a good ratio to like keep me excited and engaged. And like, if the new material doesn't work, does it mean it's like awful? 80, 20%. Um, that's all getting like really weird and precise. Not like this happens every time, but ideally that's what I, that's what I do. Yeah. No, and sometimes I don't know if it happened to you. Sometimes like you just set such a wild show and like people are, are wiling out where you just like my favorites are kind of like 
just I, there's been shows where just like I never got to the material because like <laughs> we're just having a good time and then I'm like and I'm like oh okay that was fun and I was like oh shit I got a minute left anyway well you got your buddy's worth <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that's got to be a good feeling uh to have such a good time and never have to even touch the material yet because you're like oh we just you just own the room and leaned into it and and completely agree on keeping some new material in every set because it can be hard to get excited about doing your best jokes uh, for the millionth time. Uh, even though you want to have a good set, um, God, it feels so good to try something new. Yeah, this is what I'm struggling with, frankly, right now and in the past year because I really like being being loose is what helps me be good on stage. And this year, uh you know, I'm trying to get to that next level in terms of like getting TV spots and doing, you know, submitting tapes and, and I got a manager and I'm, I'm not sure what the solution is. I do have to discipline myself and to, um, yeah, just like being able to just like deliver the thing in a good way. And they know what they're getting because that's kind of like what people need to do stand up in order to let you do stand up on TV. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I struggle with that keeping it fun for myself while having to like um deliver certain deliver my material in a more consistent way. Sometimes I just want to like what was that? Um but I'm going to do it. Anyway, I'm doing a great job. I'll be on TV. I hope my manager's not watching. <clears throat> <laughs> Maybe time to uh, to dive into this clip that we have um, loaded up. Maybe maybe give us some quick backstory on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I. Uh, yeah, how much longer are we gonna go? Because I have a photo shoot to go to later, ish. Yeah. Half an hour, twenty minutes. Who cares? Less than, Less than twenty. Oh, great, 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 great. I'm not worried. We're about good. It. I don't know. I just we are having such a good time. Lost track of time. Um. Yeah. What uh, should go to the backstory of this video? Yeah, where where did it come from? What what? Give us some some backstory of how this came to be a thing on the internet. Yeah, so I was would host a, a late night style talk show comedy show called Aesthetical Relations, and what's funny is that, that a lot of comics start their own shows in order to give themselves stage time. Um, I, being the killer that I am, didn't need the stage time. Well, actually, for me, it's because I had no idea how to make videos or do sketches. And so my my com my comedy show was like a late night style talk show. And I would always make like a fake commercial to show in the middle of the show as a break. And so for me, actually hosting my own show was an excuse to force myself to make videos, not necessarily to get stage time. Nice. Um, and so... And I just love to me, the commercial parody is like uh, limitless, like most fun yes. genre format ever. So it started, there was supposed to be a series. So there was cash for experience dot biz. Right. <laughs> and, and then there was fucked up stock footage dot me. And they were, the whole idea was just that like, I, I, I put myself in a position where I do this monthly comedy show and I have to make a fake commercial to go in the middle. And they're definitely inspired by those like weird late night. I'm sure you have them in Houston regional. There's always some like 
the the town regional weirdo who's like, come on down to first container miles. Yeah, we are man, this shit's great. And um <laughs> just weird daytime infomercials. And then I also thought it was funny. I mean, I didn't know what to sell. So like they're all very like existential, right? Right. <laughs> um cashforexperience.biz is about like by process by bypassing the creative process. So instead of making money for your art, you just get money for like having an experience that might turn into art one day. And fucked up stock footage.biz was actually in the middle of a lot of this, like uh to be honest, like like me too, like cultural um like reckoning in in the in the in the film industry. And it just seemed like there are times in the community where we just have to like have serious conversations about what we're doing. But it also seemed like a lot of people were sort of making jokes about like awful men in the industry that like weren't funny. Um, they were correct, they were true, and they were righteous moral judgments, but it wasn't fun. Yeah. And I'm like, how can I, <laughs> like I just wanted to make fun of like, you know, evil male filmmakers, but I wanted it to be fun. And, and it came up with this concept of like, or there was a lot of this conversation about like, how do we enjoy art by messed up people? Or like, what's the line? But, or how do we enjoy art that does like really difficult things? I think this is in the middle of like a conversation that someone was having about this indie film that had a rape scene that people were really upset about because it was like thought that was exploiting this young actress. And then the director had to explain that it was actually just like the editing that really like this person wasn't even really in the scene and they had a double or it was like, you know, fucking like explaining the filmmaking process to be like, yeah, we didn't actually rape this actress. Like <laughs> this is the magic of filmmaking. And it just got me thinking about this. And, and, and in my own work, I, I, it, and it's the thing that I struggle with in terms of just like someone who maybe talks about messed up stuff, but as I'm starting to make videos, thinking about the problems of like, oh yeah, how do you represent it? And then these are all born of fantasies. And I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a stock footage company that specialized in problematic, violent <laughs> content so that you wouldn't have to deal with it? <laughs> so like, the idea is like, and then it's like funny because that obviously that wouldn't even work. Cause like, how could you buy stock <laughs> footage? You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, so the, I think it's funny, the idea that like some, someone making a movie and they're like, oh man, we need this rape scene. And like, it's too, I, I don't want to touch it. It's too problematic. So you buy like a stock footage of a rape scene and just cut it into your movie. And it's like, not even, doesn't even look the same. It's not the same actors. <laughs> also, and then to, and it's really really dark this idea of like you know and and this is maybe how people think of hollywood writ large just like evil cabal of like here's a studio like here's a studio that like only makes fucked up shit here's a studio that only shoots rape scenes and violence <laughs> and like weird shit <laughs> what's the culture like in this place right <laughs> like what? yeah and and i will say there's a a lot of this video and then the, the weird thing that I love doing, which is like blurring the lines between like what's what's real or what's written and what's like not or breaking the fourth wall. Then I had this idea and then I was like, oh, well, now I have to I have to write this thing. It means like I actually have to engage with the thing that turn, became 
turn, came out of a fantasy of me not having to deal with this type, these types of representations. So my solution was that there's that run where all the guys are like saying messed up things and I'm repeating them. That was all improvised with the dudes. Amazing. So in order to like, you know, sort of skirt my own, uh, avoid my own, <laughs> the, the situation, I said it for myself, all the guys who were there were friends of mine and um, their I told them the, con they knew the concept and I gave them like a vague script, but like in their mind, and I was like, oh, this is all you. So just like come in with ideas about fucked up things and I will do my best to repeat them. Um, so that's what's amazing is all the lines the guys are saying, like they're all comics and they're all like hilarious, like men that I trust. And I gave, I was like, I want you to do this. I want you to come in and think of the most fucked up things you can say and basically try to see if you can break me down and get me to break character. And they kind of did. And there's like a, there's a few versions of this, like, this is like the nicest one. It got so fucked up. <laughs> and then there was a conversation and then it, it really was a difficult thing. And then there was a conversation I had to have with other women and like editors where I'm just like, cause they did at some point just like make me cry. <laughs> oh, no. I told them to, and I was like, I want, because I'm like, I want you to like, I, I, I'm going to, you're going to, everything you say, I'm going to repeat as like, you're feeding me these lines. So their, their goal was to like, get me to break, which is kind of weirdly violent in itself. And then it actually got, some of the things that I said were so incredibly fucked up that I couldn't even like bring myself to say it, or I did say them and then I would edit it. And then it crossed this fine line where I'm like, is this thing that's supposed to be about uh, saying or doing or saying fucked up things, basically like those, what we call edgelord comics who like aren't really funny, but just like saying the worst thing they can say to shock people. And it's also sort of making fun of that. And I'm like, but is it actually crossing the line into just becoming that? Yeah. And I did have to, I recut it several times because, and like showed it to several uh, comics, male, female, and, 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 and in between being like, <laughs> is this too, not too much, but I'm like, is it, is it under, is it undermining its own concept by being too right. messed up? So that was the fine line. Um, well, let's, let's take a look at it and then, okay. and then, and watch it together. And then we'll have some, we'll chat about it afterwards and, uh, and, and see how you feel after watching it one, one more time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. movies. Are you an aspiring film of a maker? Grappling with the ethics of violent representations on the screens? Why not outsource those grapples to a bunch of filmmakers with no ethics at all? Here at FuckedUpStuckFootage.me, we staff only the finest filmmakers with the strongest sociopathic tendencies who have guaranteed zero regard for human life or dignity. That's right, we'll do anything you don't want to do. We'll do it for real. 21st century is a scary time to be a brilliant filmmaker, which 
you are, the concept of violence is ever more myriad and nuanced than ever before. Which is why here at FuckedUpStockFootage.me, we have ever more myriad and nuanced department specialists to tackle any kind of violence you need for your brilliant art, but don't actually want to tackle. Let's meet the team. After Blast, Flickenfeld. Psychological. Stuart Greppenstood. Financial. Flipnogger. Sexual. Arg Smith. Structural. Springer Red Spring. Physical. Torsten Skybar. Emotional. Emotional? Really? Yeah. Okay. Can I be, am I too emotional? Is it like a codependency thing or? No, it's usually I'm too emotional and you don't have. Okay, any. and I'm checked out. I'm just checked out. Right, but you use it against okay, me. Okay, okay. Torsten Skybar, emotional. I am the intern with Beard Johnson. We'll do anything, such as... Mime torture. Mime torture. Eat half a Snickers bar and replace the uneaten half with poker chips. Eat half a Snickers bar and then replace the uneaten half with poker chips. Donald Trump impersonation. Donald Trump impersonation. Kink shame a teenager. Put a dinner party and say, everybody go home. Giraffe humiliation. All upskirts all the time. We'll do all upskirts all the time. Get on an elevator and press all the buttons. Get on an elevator and press all the buttons. Is that emotionally violent? Well, yeah, it's stressful. Okay. Conduct a magic show, and when the rabbit comes out, you behead the rabbit in front of the children and fuck its head. Conduct a magic show, and then when the rabbit comes out, we'll... Horse dick death rattle. Oh! Offer a paraplegic gratifying sex only to disappoint her. Fuck an old lady in her eye socket. Well, fuck, I'll fuck an old lady in her eye socket. Bob Special Olympics. Got a baby in half at the farmer's market. Get a really bad sunburn right on the round of your neck. Now, now you're playing the victim, which is gaslighting me. He had a journalist. Give her the old Daniel Pearl necklace. Stick some cherry tomatoes in your ass and make gravy all over Granny's pasta fazool. We'll stick cherry tomatoes up your ass and make gravy all over Grandma's pasta fazool. Microwaving refugee. Crucifying elementary school teachers. Casual genocide. Sicking Rottweilers on widows. Gaslighting undergrad. Let me check my notes here. Ill-fitting prosthetics. All upskirts, all the time. Damn! Punching. Open heart surgery, but the doctor's fucking the the chest hole. Without gloves. The doctor's not using gloves. Never use protection. Never use protection. I am Don't worry how it looks, okay? People get hung up on continuity, but fuck that stop footage.me, you know what we say. Continuity is for the boys. Come on down to fuckedupstockfootage.me. Located off the 405 in beautiful Chatsworth, right next to Keys on Van Nuys. Fuckedupstockfootage.me. We don't give a shit. Wow. <laughs> it's good. I was like, I'm far away from that. I was like, damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> I forgot that they're the whole shift of where like they turn on me, which is yeah. also part of they actually are helping me improvise. Like the guys were great. Like all of their lines, 
they made those up. And, but I like the, I forgot about the turn. And um, it turns out to be like, it starts (laughs) off as something that should be just a really dumb humor thing, but it's really smart and it actually has a point. And it's just like, wow, what a, what a, what a perfect, smart humor, silly. It's, it's, it has a little bit of everything in there. That's incredible. I think it's great work. And Thank you very much. It's uh, it's definitely one of those things where I'm like, man, yeah, that's that's what I feel like when my work hits and is everything that I like it to be. That's it, and don't always get there. But like, it's nice to, that it, that it has happened. So <laughs> there's an, an example. I think the backstory is really inspirational for comics that we all talk about it. That we need to have more video, more social media, and you had the discipline to do this in this way, and also do it collaboratively which often comes up with some of the best stuff. Like the, all that stuff was so incredibly fun. all upskirts all the time, cut off a rabbit's head at a con- like magic show. I mean, what? Uh, but that all comes in the collaborative experience. Fucking old lady in her eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like they were really, I was like, I, they, I was off screen. I'm like, like I, this is my video. This is my concept. And I'm like horrified. And, and I was realized that like, and and yeah, like you are probably part of a community with a ton of really fucking funny people. And like I'm super fucking blessed to be around so many people who are funny and who have the resources and the time to like help me make these things. And it's I guess it's part of that like 70-30 thing. I have a hard time disciplining myself as a script writer because like I love surprise and being in the moment so much. And I'm like planning out the whole bit, like this is what's gonna happen is I know it's so essential because that's how movies and shit is made. But I'm like, uh, that is a rare example. I don't even know if I've ever actually been able to do it again, where I hit the like, here's se- it's 70% written. And here's like 30%. I'm, I'm, I'm literally leaving space for an element of surprise to happen on set. Um, I, yeah. I love, I would love to have been approached with this opportunity. Like, what the fuck? But no, no, I'm just kidding. But like, I have, I have all this material that does not fit my character whatsoever, but it comes out of my brain. And yeah. I, actually, I actually now have like these shot comics that I give them to and they work great for them. But I've got material like this that just goes to the wayside in, in the comedy world. Yeah, I think they, they definitely got something out of it, maybe a little more than they should have. But like, <laughs> yeah, if I was like, I mean, who wouldn't want to? I actually, some of them are so nice. I actually had a couple guy friends who were like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But <laughs> if someone came up to you and is like, hey, can you just come to this set and think of as many fucked up things as you could possibly think of and then try to make the, the host cry? Like, yeah. That sounds like the majority of Houston shows. I don't know. <laughs> She got there on moon sickness. We got a baby boo boo. Then I handed her that shotgun. She put it upside down, put her toe in that trigger. And bam, and they like, <laughs> is that how you talk out there? Sorry. It's kind of occasion. That's like on the border of Louisiana, Texarkana yeah. stuff. But yeah, you, you're nailing it. Uh, you. you got to get to a photo shoot. We're going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap the one, but we're not going to let you off the hook. Uh, okay. we, we have our last segment. It's called last laugh. It's kind of about your comedy oh, legacy. Shit. Okay. Yeah, I told you it was coming. You have seven I know, seconds. I, I totally seven. forgot. Okay. Let me play the let me play the video. You have seven seconds to come up with it. Here it is. Strangely enough, you, this time not the darkest part of the show. Typically that is the creepiest thing that happens, but today 
it was all that weird stuff that your dudes were saying in your video. So, so this is what goes on my tombstone is what I have to say. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Christ, uh, Christina Catherine Martinez uh, did a great job and um, did her best and she was brave and man, she ate a lot of her own poop. Whoops. That's a that's a joke for dogs. Uh-oh. Somebody somebody get a new tombstone. <laughs> is someone like carving this like like uh, what Yeah, you they're carving it in real time. They're saying, "Whoops. I'm carving the wrong thing in the tombstone now." Damn. I can't stop carving. Please get me off this tombstone. <laughs> Oh, well, this has been such a delight. Uh, I, I've had I had two, three or four times where my camera went blurry, which just shows I'm having a good time. Okay. Uh, so thank you so much for joining and sharing with us uh, your unique take on comedy. I've learned so much. Uh, before we leave, though, where do people find all this great content you're putting out? Anything you have coming up that we can we can share for you? Um, big thing is just like follow me on social media. I actually am not super, I'm not really great at Twitter, but I post a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, so my handle is xtina underscore Catherine. And yeah, I just do, I'm still doing like a lot of Zoom shows and uh, cool stuff like that. But, and right now I'm working on, I'm actually working on a special, um, that I shot in a empty warehouse. Oh. And it is based on the the material with the baking supplies. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I tried to do like a it's like a COVID safe special, but it's not referencing or about COVID at all. Um, and uh, that will be you know whether whether I get to I'm working I'm making my own proof of concept for it, and whether I sell it or not, um, I will definitely have so like a like a live stream or a screening thing at some point, probably in the next few months. Keep us posted. I will. I will. Thank you. This is like super, super great. I don't get to uh, opportunities to try to be lucid about my process very often. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I think it's going to be very inspirational to a lot of comics who maybe haven't taken those steps that you have to kind of get outside of just one, you know, traditional stand up thing, making videos, collaboration, mm -hmm. you know, making a, Make, making sure that your comedy and your art has a maybe a point and, and <laughs> is saying something, but also being entertaining. Um, yeah, thanks so much for the time today and for sharing your your perspective on comedy. Um, and yeah, just be safe in LA. You know, those 11, 11 p.m. runs and stuff. Make sure you keep that gun handy. I will. I will. Thank you. Um, thank you. I was gonna say I love you guys, um, but I, I think I'm. Just, <laughs> I gotta, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. <laughs> Bye. Thank, thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. And thank everybody for listening. Next week we are wrapping up season two with the finale with Mark Norman. Mark Norman. Mark Norman on breaking down bits coming next week. We're so excited about that. Have a wonderful day. listening to breaking down bits you can keep in touch or get more when you follow at breaking down bits on social media visit the website breakingdownbits.com or shoot us an email at breakingdownbits at gmail.com <laughs>